name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. It has been no secret among those who are familiar with the hardwood industry in the Northeast that for years the industry has been very heavily reliant on China, and many would say too heavily reliant. Uh, Two years ago, when I started to work at the Northern Logger, the first signs of trouble in trade were boiling up as a result of President Donald Trump's trade war and China's retaliation. But the word on the street uh, for a long time was uncertainty. You know, things could go one way or they could go another. And it was business as usual until something more conclusive came along. How things are going now depends on who you talk to. I've certainly spoken with some exporters who've found niches and who have good customers and for whom business is actually doing better than it was in 2018. But for a lot of mills in New York State, where our podcast is based, production is way down. The $90 billion in retaliatory tariffs that China hit us with Um, on 10 species of American hardwoods are taking effect. And a lot of people tell me who work at the mills and procurement that it's hard to actually get the wood in because markets are down and people aren't harvesting and just a variety of factors that are making it hard to operate at the moment. So we spoke with Tom Eichler of Bailey Lumber about some of the shifts that he's witnessed in the market in recent months. Eichler is in sales for Bailey, and he works out of Hamburg, New York, which is near Buffalo. He's witnessed firsthand the changes to the market in recent years and how that's affected productions at the mill, production at the mills that he works with. Um, Eichler described what's happened as pretty dissimilar to what happens in a regular recession. Uh, he and he has some thoughts about what's coming down the line in the next year. So we were really excited to talk to Tom and hope you enjoy our conversation. So where are you, where are you based exactly? So the head office of uh, Bailey is located in Hamburg, New York, which is just south of Buffalo, about 10, 15 miles. So, uh, that's where um, I. Uh, that's where I live. And what I wanted to start out with is is maybe you could give me some perspective on the past six months in hardwood lumber markets, mm-hmm. lumber and logs, if you have a sense of that, and and just what's been going on, and you know how the uh, industry in our area has reacted to some of the shifts that have happened. Yeah. So. Um, just, just a little background on it. I think our industry, as probably all your readers will understand, is is was so heavily heavily de- dependent on um, uh, China as a market for both logs and lumber. Um, you know, so with you know we're going into almost year two of this trade war, or some. Some something that has stemmed from the trade war, and it is uh, uh, obviously just uh, you know there's there's some serious bloodletting going on in the industry because of it. Both, I mean, right from uh, the landowner base to the 
logger to the sawmill and, you know, to the just uh, kill dried sales companies. So, um, you know, it, it started off with, you know, people optimists thinking you'd have an agreement and uh, that it would come to some, come to some end. And, and as we move further into this, and because it, because it wasn't your typical downturn cycle, I think people's reaction to it was almost stagnated or suspended in a usual downturn. Oh, wait, you know, you kind of saw it, what happened. You said, Oh my, you know, there's like overall um, economy in the United States around the world. They, you know, they're failing. And so we have this issue react immediately and start making changes. So from our perspective in 08, we were on it right when it happened. We said, okay, this is what we've got to do. You know, we might have to shut down some kilns, some sawmill production, but this is what we need to do to right size because we're not coming out of this anytime soon. This is, this is a downturn. We're going to move through it and it's going to be your typical uh, cycle. I mean, it wasn't really a typical cycle. It was pretty harsh, but you knew the, the progression of it. Um, this time, you know, you start in almost two years ago. It's, it's, I think it's going on two Aprils ago was the first sense that something was going on when China um, actually just enacted or started enforcing um, uh, the phytosanitation the stress. phytosanitation on logs, you know, and, and really, you know, you knew something was up at that point. And this was kind of the, you know, the, the start of it all. And at that point, you, you know, you set back where if this was a downturn overall, you would have said, okay, let's, let's do things right now to start right sizing um, and reacting to what we think will be a natural cycle. We, nobody did, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, all right, these guys are going to come to some agreement and do something. Well, they kind of did, kind of didn't. They gave you a, they gave the industry a little bit of hope and, and, and so you don't do anything. So, you, so that goes six months and then, you know, your next round and they start to put tariffs on retaliatory tariffs from China and you go, Oh geez. Okay. So let's, we're going to take those in the teeth, but we're going to continue to operate business as usual. And what happens there is, Number one, you suspended your reaction to it because you think just possibly something could change. Uh, and then uh, if we're the, if we're the, um, you know, we're buying lumber or we're buying logs, which we do both. You don't send that, that whole message down the line. So it doesn't reach the, um, you know, by the time it gets to the independent logger, he says, yeah, yeah, I hear there's some issues. But the reality is, you know, what Bailey and Gutchess and all these other guys, they're still buying. They're still buying. Their money's good. It's still coming in. So they don't change. You know, they continue to make investments and, you know, they look at it and say, oh, yeah, prices decrease. But, you know, I'm still, I still have money coming in. So they make investments and they continue to, um, you know, they, they operate business as usual. And so it, it almost compounds the issue. So we're not making changes here and we're probably not 
going all the way down to the beginning, the primary procurement end, and definitely not towards the landowner and telling them what's coming. Because we don't know. And there is hope that things would change. Well, so here we are two years later. And, you know, all of a sudden we're saying, you know what, there is no end in sight. It, it does not look good. It's bad. And so instead of this easing into it and starting to make changes two years ago and backing off, now we're like, all right, time to, you know, as an industry, not just Bailey, but I think we've said, oh, we, now we've got a right size. We have no other choice. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. The past six months has been this aggressive um, reaction to something that's been going on for two years. You know, it's, it's sound. It's, so it makes it more painful. We, you just, you have two years of bad that you have to react to in the past six months. And that's sort of what we're doing. Not to say we weren't blind to it, but you really had, you, you know, if you added a percent, yeah, you know, 60, 70% that they'll come to an agreement. You know, now that's getting less and less. And we're saying this is the new normal. Um, you know, the China is finding substitutes from different places in the world. You know, we're not writing it off by any means, but, we're starting to accept that this may very well be the new normal and we need to right size production procurement and frankly, just um, need to, to change the perception out there and, and let landowners and, and independent loggers know what this really means. And I, and I think they all understand it now. So the past six months, going on <laughs> long story short reverting has been um significant changes to our outlook and our projections and what we're what we're doing in terms of how much lumber will dry um how much lumber we'll saw where we'll do it what we'll, you know in, in what species so that has been the past six months uh taking two years of sickness and addressing it in six months. Right. So then, you know, you um, know, how many days a week are the mills operating? So right now we have, um, we are, our take would be to operate at what we'd call just regular capacity. So, you know, 40, 42 hours, something like that. Um, but not push for extra hours. We, we do have um, mills and yards that have taken time off um, and we've reduced uh, production because of um, the state of things. But uh, there's also the part of it where weather availability of logs availability of the right logs at the right place at the right price has um has hindered us so we can't produce so it's it's this catch-22 you know we we don't want to be producing a whole lot but we want to operate at at a level that allows our mills to be efficient but now we're at this point where you know i think people are putting less timber on the market putting less good timber on the market um we also look at it and say if we if we can't convert 
logs into lumber profitably, we kind of are backing away from that. And so you lose some, you know, you, you lose some, some purchasing there. And why do you think people aren't aren't putting the the logs on the market? Is it just because prices or uh, cultural shift or what do you think? Yeah, I think it is. It's completely price driven. Um, it becomes for the landowner. You know, they much of much of our industry, much of the wood that makes the market is goes through consultant foresters. And I think those guys, they come back and say, here's the pricing to somebody. If they don't need the money, you know, two things happen. One, they may just turn it, turn it down, say, I'm not selling my timber at that. The other part is the consultant may say to them, it's best not to put this timber on the market right now. Um, so you have that end of it where it doesn't reach the market. It isn't put out for sale because, you know, nobody <laughs> buying high Selling low is usually a recipe for disaster. Um, but then you also have the ability of a logger to convert a profit, right? So if he said, even if there's farmers that need money to pay taxes, let's say, that you know, no matter the market, they have to put some timber out, some logs out on the market. Well, if you can't convert cut skid haul, if, if you can't make any money on the back end, it's there's a point where the um, operator just says, you know, by the time I cut skid haul it and you want to pay me 350, 300, that, that doesn't work. Um, so it is, uh, it is interesting that um, I use ash for an example. You know, a lot of other species, people can say, just let it grow. Let it, you know, we'll wait for a better market. Some people will be able to hold their breath longer than others. But on ash, it is, you either cut it or it's gone. That's going to be the deal here. And uh, I do believe that there's going to be a point even where if ash gets to a price, they'll say, I know I'm going to lose it, but I can't find anybody to go into the woods and cut it anyway because it's not bringing any, any money. So it's like, let it, let it die. <laughs> so uh, looking long-term, I mean, you know, I talked to different people that, think about these things. And I, I remember Mike Snow at the hardwood export saying the only market he thinks could replace China is a domestic market. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, you know, even if the trade war subsided or there was a, a um, solution put on the table and that they acted upon, uh, there is the fact that China China's economy is slowing. So I've heard people say, oh, even if there's a solution, it won't be good. That market is so massive that even at 50%, it's still a viable market, a very good market for domestic hardwood. So I do think if something, you know, if they're able to come to some agreement, maybe they won't, maybe they will, that is a going to, that, that, that's going to be a, be a viable market for us um, to, to some extent, right? Um, as for domestic, uh, yeah, I mean, that is a, uh, a wild card because, um, speaking of China again, what made China so good for, um, for us hardwoods is that the people there, the actual people in China valued American hardwoods. They, 
they said, for whatever reason, maybe it's because they worked in factories that used it to make things to go back to the United States. And, you know, that chi- the Chinese culture loves good brands. And, and uh, so they valued it. So if they were building, say, 15 years ago, they were working in factories using red oak to make stuff to go to Europe or white oak to go to Europe or back to the United States. They said, this is, this is, a, this is a sign of wealth if I can have this in my home. So two, three years ago, we were shipping the, the, the lumber we were shipping over there in logs probably 80, 85% of it stayed in country. They were converting it into millwork furniture that they were buying and putting in their homes, their apartments. Um, so looping around, the Chinese valued American hardwoods. They valued having furniture made out of it, solid hardwood, red oak, ash, whatever it may be, cherry. They valued it. They were willing to pay for it and ask for it so that that's what they had in their homes, whether that be cabinets or furniture or flooring, but solid American hardwoods. So for the domestic market, the U S market to pick up any of that, that needs to be what has to happen in the United States. People in the United States have to value American hardwoods at the moment. It's going the opposite way. Um, Cabinets, are becoming, you know, panels of MDF with two inch pieces of hardwood around the edge, painted white. Um, flooring is vinyl, <laughs> you know, that, that, that people just say, Oh, it looks, it looks like, you know, so Americans don't value American hardwoods is what it's getting at. Um, and that sounds damning for me to say that to about Americans, but it is the truth. We had, uh, we had a, a market that valued them, and now the market we want to replace that or to replace to some extent does not value it in the same way. Um, they're okay with throwaway and those sorts of things, you know. Uh, they're okay with fake. And that's really, it, it sounds really nasty, and I don't mean it to be, but that is the truth of it. And um, shame on our industry is what I think. You know, you, you wrote an article, I think, in March of 18, talking about how do we, you know, the way that end, you, end buyers um, hear about the industry. It shouldn't be by negative, um, you know, hearing a negative uh, headline about logging. It should be, we need to touch the people that are buying something, I think, as you said, you know, that's at the that's the point we need to, to, to get people to, um, to understand the value of domestic hardwoods. Um, not to put words in, but I think it was something of the sort. And that's what we need to do. If we want this market, like Mike Snow says, if, if, he want, if he believes that the domestic market is going to be good, and if we want that to be a place, we need to put forth serious effort as an industry to reach not each other, you know, not, not go in the hardwood market report or the Northern logger and tell each other how good and uh, right our product is, uh, but to get further down the line. And I'm not sure I know how to do that yet, but we need, we need to do it. So um, you had mentioned, of course, the ash. And uh, I wonder if you could talk just particularly in New York State, Southern Tier, Adirondacks, 
what this shift is going to mean for the ability to manage forests? That's tough. So I think take this with what it is. I mean, I, I spend time in an office and behind the wheel. I do spend time at sawmills, but I'm not a, a procurement guy. I'm not in the woods. Uh, but what I do, yeah, looking at it from my perspective, I think um, it's interesting. You go back 20 years and ash was not harvested like it is today. So if it's become 30 to 35% of a sawmill's cut, there was a time it was probably 10 or 15%. So the, the benchmark shouldn't be 35%. You know, a lot of sawmills are saying, what am I going to do? Um, because I'm losing 35% of my cut. Well, there was a time it was probably only 10 to 15%. But that said, it is a significant part of uh, a sawmill's um, species mix. And, and it is part of our... New York State's mix and the Northeast. Um, what it means, you know, does it mean that we we end up having poor forestry practices because we're going in and harvesting the ash and they say, while you're in there, take take this stock that is not ready, you know, in maples and other species, maybe. Uh, does it mean that... Uh, that we do have better forestry practices through sanitation cuts. It's, it's hard to say, and I'm probably not the best person for it, but I do think it'll be um, a huge question for loggers and sawmills as what they're going to use and do to replace ash as part of their species mix. For the next six months, what are you hoping to see? What's the best case scenario? You know, we are going to, uh, we're probably going to continue to lean from a sawmill's perspective on industrial products. Uh, as long as that uh, hangs in there, we're going to be looking at that. Uh, you know, until, you know, we're going to just continue to make good choices in the mill in terms of what, you know, instead of being a lumber mill, we are, if you think more of a, we're, we're profit center and we're going to do whatever that takes. So if that means selling industrials versus lumber, those are the things we're going to do. Um, that only takes you so far, but that is, that's going to be our thought process. Uh, um, you know, continue to think how we can, um, how we can buy timber and logs to convert it in, uh, to, <laughs> To profit, I think that's going to be really difficult um, because I think we're at such a low point that it, you, some of this almost um, your costs are past your sales price. So uh, it's it, a little bit fearful of what won't be available, what the landowners, what foresters don't put on the market, a little bit there. Um, and then from the standpoint of controlling what we can control, I think we need to, as an industry, really start to think differently. So that could mean um, loggers changing the way they cut cut logs. So that could mean lengths, what species, what um, quality they saw. This all has to be up for um, consideration. And, you know, if a domestic market is something we want to do and, 
that means that we have to cut less eight foot logs and, and, uh, we're going to, we need to do that. And more 13 to 16 foot as an example, we're going to do that. Some loggers don't like to do that. They're they're, Oh, we lose, (laughs) you know, we lose on the taper. Well, these are the things we're going to have to do if we want to make the domestic market. If we want to, if we want to put together a product that the domestic market wants. So it'll be a lot of, uh, um, you know, how do we cater to a completely different market? Right. That makes sense. All right. Well, th- well, thank you, Tom. Uh, it's been very interesting speaking with you and I'm, you know, I'm sure that it, it'll be something that our listeners are glad to think about. We hope for the best. <laughs>